Welcome to the next in our series of JLL Investor Perspectives podcasts. I'm Tim Valance, Head of Investor Services and Retail Chairman, and this year we're exploring new perspectives on property, the problems facing real estate investors, and potential solutions and answers. JLL Investor Perspectives is a broad and continually changing subject that requires diverse and expert thinking, and therefore we're enlisting the help of colleagues from across our UK, European and global business, together with clients and other experts to help us define both the problems and potential solutions. In our last podcast, Valuing Through a Pandemic, we confirmed that nearly all investors find that the most single important thing is the valuation of real estate. However, we're traveling through a social and environmental revolution at the moment as we travel towards a net zero economy and investors need to think hard about their ESG strategies and how these could impact value. So today's podcast is titled Valuing Sustainability, in which we're going to explore the new demands faced by investors in real estate and how we value the required change ahead of our 2050 net zero economy. To help explore this technical area, I'm delighted to be joined by three colleagues today, Elaine Russell, Emily Chadwick, and Chris Stratham. Elaine is head of UK Office Research and Strategy at JLL and an expert in both the investor and occupier markets. She is the co-author of The Future of Offices and is perhaps best known for bringing both stage and screen to life in the annual JLL Big Six presentations. Chris leads the JLL UK Corporates and Specialist Valuation Team and is the go-to person at JLL when we have something really awkward to value. Chris is comfortable valuing a wind farm and a sports stadium as he is an office or a shop and is increasingly informing clients on the changing requirements of valuing in an ESG world. And finally, Emily is the brains of this gang and leads on sustainability and valuation for JLL, so her time is now commanding a premium value of its own. She is passionate about social impact, governance and particularly the environment and is the co-author with Chris of our current report, Valuing Net Zero and ESG for Officers. Welcome, Elaine. Chris and Emily, really good to see you. So I'm going to lead off with a, with a question and then you guys can do all the talking because uh, this is a really specialist subject area. So we're still getting to grips with the you know, many structural and societal shifts brought about by COVID pandemic and, and how these affect value and how we invest and ultimately use real estate. But has this really had an effect on the sustainability journey or is that sort of transcending everything we've seen through the pandemic? I think you're absolutely right. Sustainability has been around for a, a long time and we've been on a, a, a journey for many, many years. But I think probably what COVID has done uh, is focus the minds of the property industry, particularly on its role in society um, and obviously how it contributes to the ESG agenda. I think what we've probably seen over the last 12 months or so is a real acceleration in the drive towards net zero carbon um, and the impact I think that the office has on perhaps health and well-being. I think what the pandemic has probably done is made companies more aware of their responsibilities to employees, um, I say in particular around that kind of health and well-being aspect, and that's really leading to an emphasis on new standards in kind of design quality and amenities. The other thing I would probably say around the pandemic is that we're also seeing a lot of companies taking a public stand, the, the number of companies who are signing up to public accreditations, such as Net Zero Carbon, or science-based targets has increased phenomenally during the pandemic. So about 12 months ago, when the pandemic started, there were about 800 companies who signed up to um, science-based targets around the world. I just checked before the podcast and that number had risen to just under 1,500. So that's a phenomenal increase in companies who are, you know, 
publicly committing to sustainable targets. Yeah, and I think I'd like to add to that, Elaine. You know, I've been working uh, in the impact of, of valuation of sustainability for like 15 years now. And certainly over the last three years, and in particular the last 18 months, I've seen such an acceleration in companies adopting environmental social governance policies. And in effect, those are now translating into occupiers taking space based on ESG credentials. But in particular, from our point of view as, as valuers, you know, we're, mu- we're talking much more with funders and with investors on how their ESG policies dictate what they will invest in and what they will lend on. So you know, we've definitely seen that acceleration over the last uh, 18 months. And kind of, I was going to say, if I just put in again, on, or just follow up on that. If you look at our in- investor survey back in 2019, environmental and sustainability aspects were seen as the, the, the least likely trend to have an impact on investment strategy. But if you fast forward to our 2020 survey, it risen to the number one factor and the number one trend that was going to influence investment strategies during last year. So again, just another demonstration of how investors are really paying attention to uh, the kind of ESG agenda. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute demonstration of it. I'm, I'm guilty myself. I, I, I know we were doing presentations and pitches five years ago, and it was, uh, it was an add-on. Now it's front and centre and runs, runs through everything, which is, which is fantastic. And that sort of leads to my next query in a way. I mean, the, the holy grail of, of all of this is really to deal with climate change, to arrest climate change, and hopefully deal with social impact as well as shaping the future of real estate for a better world. But everything is underpinned by value. And it would probably be churlish not to admit that investors are looking for value in this as well. So are we seeing a, a green premium at the moment? And, and is, there, is there a discount for brown or a brown discount? Yeah, Tim, we, we did some research looking at the impact of sustainability on value of office buildings. We've done a report on central London and we, we're just about to release one on, on the regional markets. And the research really did show that there was a premium rent paid for buildings with outstanding and excellent BREM rated accreditation. So roughly around uh, a 10% um, premium. And I think that's also in line with, with many other global uh, studies that are out there. I think the other thing to, to, to talk about or mention when we're talking about value, of course, is that it's not just about pounds per square foot. So our research showed also that if you look at the overall performance of, of more sustainable buildings, they tend to um, have lower void rates, their leasing velocity rates um, are much, much quicker. And actually, they have lower rates of obsolescence over the life cycle of, of their building. So if you take all those factors into consideration, you know, I think that's what you need to think about when you're looking at the, the total value of, of green buildings. Yeah, and, and it's great that now we as valuers have data to demonstrate the green premium in particular. So with, with rental values and voids, as you say, we can reflect that in valuation methodology. And I think what is uh, key is that the valuer reflects the market, reflects market value. That's what we're trying to ascertain when we're doing valuations. So we don't make the market, but with this influence of green premiums being created, partly because there is a uh, severe lack of quality, either net zero carbon buildings or really sustainable buildings with BREAM excellent or outstanding aversions. And that's why there's creating that premium because there's significant demand and a lack of product. 
However, interestingly enough, in terms of the brown discount, you know, I think we'll see that accelerate over the next few years because it will reflect the increased obsolescence. And obsolescence is, is the key word. That is what is going to happen as regulation drives uh, change in both what occupiers need to fulfill and also what uh, developers and investors should be building. And because 95% of our uh, stock is existing build, that's what we will be looking at in how can we refurbish, upgrade those buildings to meet regulations and uh, net zero carbon uh, credentials over the coming years. Yeah, and I think I think it's so easy to see how those two trends are going to play out over the next few years. As you say, Chris, on the brown discount side, legislation is predicted to increase at quite a challenging rate, I think, for the market. At the moment in the UK, it's something like 10 to 15% of stock that's affected by minimum energy efficiency standards, for example. But by 2030, we expect the scope of that to increase to something like 80 to 85% of buildings that will need to increase their energy efficiency just to stay in line with legislation. So you can see how CapEx is going to be needed, you know, a, a traditional hold period from now just to, to stay in line with that legislation. And then on the green premium side, Elaine mentioned science-based targets. I think in your report last year, Elaine, you looked at the number of companies signed up to science-based targets in central London and how much space they occupied. And it was something like 12 million square foot of space. And you're saying that that's nearly doubled year on year to now. Absolutely. And I think the, the latest figure now, if you look at the number of who's signed up over the last 12 months based in central London, that's taken that figure in terms of square footage to over 17 million square feet. So it just shows you from one, one city how that, that demand is changing and shifting quite dramatically. Yeah. And as soon as those lease events come up for those occupiers, the demand for this really high quality, high sustainability space is just going to skyrocket. And as Chris said, the supply of that space is still really low. So you can see how that's going to drive rental values going forward. So skyrocketing demand um, should drive value, which is great. So investor ears should prick up to that. And all of our investor clients will have recognised this change. I hope they've recognised the change. Some will be uh, travelling through it at the moment and it'll be coming to others. But, but it all comes at a cost, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think Elaine's report found for Briam outstanding the increase in cost is something like 9.8% above standard new build. And then there was a UK GBC, UK Green Building Council report last year that looked at net zero carbon, which is sort of the new buzzword in sustainability at the moment. And that found a 9-16% increase for new build to get to net zero carbon versus standard modern specification so yeah it's not cheap but there is a view really that also that costs might start to come down as technology and and, and construction techniques evolve so actually that sustainable buildings actually could become cheaper to deliver those new techniques and and, and technology come come on board and so actually that that capital cost could actually start to, to to reduce and also one solution is that the finance uh we're seeing many more green loans being provided that are meant to have kpis in that provide cheaper finance as well, which can also assist with, say, the construction or refurbishment of a building. So that's the other expanding sector uh, at the moment. Okay, so we're sort of seeing uh, increments in value transcending the cost at the moment. Oh, that's a good question. I think what we can do is start to show the difference in returns for applying these different costs now, based on the sorts of data that Elaine's team 
is is bringing out so if we know that there's a rental premium we know that they're shorter voids then you can start to show the impact on returns of building to that more sustainable standard and when we did that kind of analysis in the uh, global office methodology report on valuing ESG and net zero we did find a higher return over 100 basis points of better internal rate of return where we'd spent more on day one to get to that more sustainable standard net zero carbon but received more rent less void and less future cost because you've future proofed that building against legislation change going forward so look, I, I believe i'm a valuer as well well the rscs tell me every year that i'm a registered valuer and i fill out the form because i have to value the odd shop see this is this is simply cash flow isn't it it's just um taking the cost out and bang there's your there's your new number yeah this is cash flow methodology, I suppose, but I think you can you can apply this to all methodologies. I just think that using a DCF, you can be more explicit about these future trends that, that we expect to see and that we've got good data to suggest that are going to come through. But yeah, it, it does allow us to show that difference in returns when we're doing this kind of analysis for a more sustainable building. Okay. So perhaps a bit more sophisticated than I'm, I'm, I'm used to, but uh, maybe I could cope. And I, I, I guess the, the holy grail question is, you know, will, will this green premium that you're telling me exists at the moment, will it last forever? Or does sustainability just become the norm and it's eroded over time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the green premium will disappear because I think it will become the norm. Every building, through either legal regulations, uh, building regulations, and through what occupiers want as well. And that's what the acceleration that we're seeing now to take effect. So I think it will become the norm. Specification and technology will make it cheaper to, to, uh, to, to refurbish and develop, as Elaine said, and I just think that will become uh, the norm. Now, the risk is, is that because technology and specification can change more quickly, and we've seen this acceleration now, it will change in the future as well. And with legal uh, regulations change, in particular, we're expecting the EPC rating to be reduced from F and Gs to Bs by the end of the decade, then that type of you know, fundamental change will mean that the costs required to get to EPCB will be expensive now, but in the future cheaper. But what will be the next regulation that comes in? You know, what is the next movement that may influence the obsolescence, as I call it, of office buildings? And it's just that office buildings are more uh, susceptible to obsolescence than most other real estate. So that's the, the concern going forward is how adaptable will a building become and the materials, will they become scarce that produce a new building? How scarce will they become? And that all then moves on to the other subject of the circular economy, which is a whole subject in itself. But I certainly think you know, that is what is going to, uh, we're going to be looking at over the next 10 years as well on how we can adapt buildings more easily and how we can use materials to do them more efficiently. 
Well, Chris, th- thanks for that. And uh, that's, a, that's a lovely segue into, uh, into a future podcast on the circular economy, which is in, which is in line. So uh, thanks for that. And, and thanks, Emily. And thanks, Elaine. Some, some really, really good insights. Obviously, there's a lot more depth in the report. You've got a presentation, which, I, which I've seen, which is very good. So uh, all of our investor clients and even occupier clients can see that if they, if they want, if they reach out to us. I'll just, just leave on a note. Um, yeah, this is all about investor perspectives. Um, and we have to continue to remind ourselves in this changing environment, whether it's social revolution, environmental revolution, or just the disruption that's traveling through property, that smart investors will be using this time to reposition capital and produce strategies to prioritize long-term consumer trends over short-term profit. But the environment and social impact and governance is probably integral to all of this, and all investors need to seek out and embrace that change. Guys, I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. Enjoy the rest of your time and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.